Hello and welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter, weekly talking about quiet times. About quiet times, which hopefully, if you're listening right now and you're like up to date, up to speed, uh-huh. then it's really hot. Yeah. Like across yeah. the country right now, super hot temperatures. And hopefully you're sitting in front of a fan in some way or in, indulging in ice cream. That would be, both of those would be very nice. I yeah. kind of want to do that right now, actually. Can we just stop? <laughs> Yeah. And then we'll come back and finish this. What okay, I, hold on. What? Give us a second. Okay. And we're back. Um, Seven hours later, um, we have had so much ice cream. Uh, and those, uh, the Coca-Cola Icy's. Oh, those were good. Those were amazing. I put a little cherry in there. I, I can't it. lie anymore. This isn't real. We, we didn't do it. Yeah. We just paused for that one second. We really wanted uh, to. Okay, something that I did, and it was, you know, trying to find indoor activities to exercise. Uh, I did a game of basketball a friend invited me to a little pickup game he has at uh, in his neighborhood. Which you had to explain to me what pickup game is. It's just you get a game going. It's just a group of people getting together and playing yeah, a game. That's it. Whether it happens organically at a gym or whether you plan. Nothing official. Nothing official. You keep a score, but then nobody remembers it later that <laughs> night. Um, so I had, Most people, like if you were explaining this. To a civilization thousands of years from now. And what was the point of this pickup game? Um, you know what? This the, I just thought of this, actually. Okay. I just thought of this last night. As I've gotten older and I'm sitting there yeah. playing, I'm going, I used to, up here, the competitive nature was the most important thing. You would grade it really high. The yeah. skill was the most, probably the second most important thing, working mm-hmm. on your craft of the actual game. Okay. But then as a person that is 5'9", not in any sort of shape, much less NBA shape, has no future career in basketball. Um, I think just getting out of the house has now been the yeah. number one reason. <laughs> Having fun. Having fun. Which, isn't it interesting we finally revert back to when we were our smallest. Yeah, just have some fun. That was meant to be. And yeah. then we get into this competitive nature somewhere in our, I don't know, preteen, yeah. teenage years. That's true. That's true. So I, like that. I go with these guys and I... Um, uh, first of all, it's hilarious because he's uh, he, the way my friend Jacob, we're in our 30s, he set it up. Just some guys that get together after work, mm-hmm. you know, they lo- used to love to play and we get together now and we play a little bit every Thursday night. Great. Awesome. I show up. Half the people or more are in their low 20s. Yeah. In shape. They play in a league elsewhere. They just, they do, this is a practice night for are some you, of them. Are you saying if they decided to call their side the skins, it wouldn't be an insult to the eyes? Like if 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 they were one team, yeah, it would be the beach volleyball scene from Top Gun. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and then over here, we would definitely need to be the shirts. Which, by the way, all bodies are beautiful because okay. God made okay. you. Okay, I, I can pick on myself. I'm going <laughs> to pick on myself. It's all right. You're all right. You don't have to do that. Uh, the niceties. Um, so I show up and I'm like, "Are you kidding me, Jacob? Like I thought this was you know, and it's full court." And I'm the slowest one out yeah. there and I haven't shot in a while. So I'm rusty and I'm airballing and I will never forget this. It was pretty awesome. Um, you, especially when you just met these guys, you're pretty sure they all hate you. The, the ones that were stuck with me, mm-hmm. you know, on, on their team. And I just, it, I don't want to be the weakest link. I don't want to come last in the race. It just not last, please. Don't let me come last in the race. Don't let me come uh, last and the weakest link at the work project or whatever. You are not anticipating any sort of grace because you don't have a rapport with most of them. And and in these games at gyms and things around, there is no, I mean, church yeah. league softball is pretty ruthless. And I'm being honest about that. Like you, you get, 
yeah. the glare, you get the silent treatment, you get the cold shoulder because you're ruining it for the team. You know why they do that, especially at church, is they're giving you a reason to take it to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is that what they're doing? I need to seek God right now or I'm going to murder this person. Uh, I think they haven't entered the fun stage. They're still <laughs> in the competitive stage is what I think. Um, so I'm sitting here really down on myself and the guy on my team, I just airballed and he comes up to me and he says, hey, don't worry about it. And just keep, keep shooting those shots. It was a good shot. Like it was, good, it was you know, like a oh, nice I time to take that it. that guy. And I said, I'm pretty rusty. And he's like, it's just a game. Keep shooting, man. Keep the shots coming. See, that's the attitude. That's fantastic. And I'm sitting, it picked me up in yeah. a way that I could, I, before that, there's been other things that people have said, but in such a a circumstance that is not major to my life, mm-hmm. and yet a couple of sentences made all the difference mm-hmm. and picked up my evening. Yeah, and you realize words have power, like the Bible says. The tongue is so powerful; it's like a spark in the forest. Who can tame it? Mm-hmm. And I could use my words to distract and to tear down. Or I could use my words to build up. Yeah, and he gave you a permission slip to also have grace for yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've all been in this weird place for the last couple of years, the pandemic. You had a baby. So you working out in the gym, that's kind of all kind of been up in the air. Sure. I completely understand that phase of life. So yeah, and you have to have grace for yourself in those moments. You know, you're not in your 20s anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm now in my 30s. Why do we have less grace for ourselves as we age too for those types of things? I know you bummed your knee a little bit. I think it's because you you could do it once upon you a time. You used to. And you compare, there it is. Your other self. You compare your younger self to the older self or whatever it is. And even isn't this strange, you recognize you were comparing your younger self to everybody else around you back in the day too. And you didn't appreciate what you had. Yeah, that's true. So you like never really enjoyed your moment. You are never going to meet the weirdo expectations that you place on yourself, mm-hmm. which is to somehow be able to outdo, outrun time itself and be that person, be the Tom Brady of the basketball <laughs> Pick court. Up games. Somehow yeah. <laughs> this supernatural thing is going to take place and you are just going to wow everybody. How old is this guy? <laughs> Honestly, it's like some of those movies where uh, it's like uh, The Rookie uh, with Dennis Quaid. Okay. It's like, what? what? You, you were never supposed to play again. Now you're in the major leagues. Like that's yeah. kind of like the, the dream in the back of your mind. And yes, it was based on a true story, but it was a Disney movie. True. <laughs> true. Yeah. So there's some fancifulness, I'm sure, thrown in there. And plus those are the exception. Uh-huh. Never the rule. But I also really want to root. I, I want to say that you got out of your comfort zone because you decided to get on the court. Sure. Sure. You didn't have to go. You're like, yeah, I don't know this group of guys. Sure. I'll hang out. Yeah, I'll play. Yes, it's been a hot minute, but it'll be all right. It'll be fun. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And I think that teaches me a little something about getting out of my comfort zone because I don't want to has become a catchphrase for me (laughs) when it comes to doing something other than what I have had comfortable in my schedule and routine for so long. Mm -hmm. And I do love that that guy maybe fought against the standards of the world, which is just always compete, never consider feelings and encouraged you. And I was reading in Proverbs, we, we do a radio show, Carter and I, and I was looking for a verse that would go along with the time frame being so hot. And I was like, cup of cool water, cup of cool water. And so I, I put that in a Google search engine and it popped up a proverb about um, good news from a far off land is like drinking a cup of cold water. Yeah. 
And I thought, you know what? Just good news in general. Let's abbreviate that a little bit. Just good news and encouragement is a refreshment to another. Mm -hmm. It is. So how can my words, certainly his words, were a refreshment to you? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And I am limping. You are limping. Yeah. So that's... Uh, Which that's I thought happened. you were joking with me halfway, but you're no, not. I, it's, I, so, I think I sprained uh, something. I got to put some ice on Here's it. what you're going to do. You're going to go to the corner of Happy and Decrepit. Oh, yeah. The pharmaceutical... Uh, store there, and then you're going to go to the liniment section. This is what middle-aged people do. My crossed over you're into rub a little liniment oil in there. You know, I thought I was working on my my crossover dribble, oh, yeah. but I'm working on my crossover into <laughs> middle age. That's okay. That's okay. You know, you will be working um, with more athletic balls here in the future. They will be tennis balls on the bottom of the walker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it that's all she wrote that's, that's it. it i'm not gonna have a joke better than that so yeah uh okay so a couple things going over in my quiet time by the way thank you for thanks for being transparent about that because i know we all deal i mean my word the comparison thing is always a thing sure and you actually brought that up the other day in such a <gasps> you should tell I, that i'm gonna get to that oh, okay i'm okay. planning for that but for I, the end yeah um oh and i'll te- let me tease it all right all right but at the end of this episode it's the David and Goliath story like you've never heard it before. Yeah. I've never heard it put this way. I'll share that coming up. That's really good. Now what everybody's going to think is hurry up, Rochelle. You can, there's a fast forward 30 <laughs> seconds button that you can just hit through Carter, don't and do that. see when you hear my voice again. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story about David, but it's not one that's uh, going to put him in a great light. Well, do tell. I think I know okay. that story. So this is post- Post David and Goliath yeah. season. And we, you know, we've talked a little bit about um Saul and the relationship there. And um, no, it's not the famous, infamous, I should say, story of he and Bathsheba. Okay. I think that's one that we've gone over before Bathsheba being the uh, the the adulterous situation where he takes a woman is not his wife, is is already married to somebody else. Mm-hmm. A very seemingly good man. Because even when uh, David invites him home, when he finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant from this um, affair, he's like, oh, I better get, I better get Uriah home. That's uh, her husband. So that, it, uh, that we could say it's his baby, mm-hmm. you know? And because he's thinking, Uriah is thinking about the men on the field of battle, he won't even go home. He said, how could I go home to a good meal, be in the comfort of the arms of my wife? How could I do that when I know that my fellow men are out there on the field dying and bleeding for our country. Yeah. I can't do that. He's a good man, but um, David has him killed long of it, short of it, I should say. And um, there's this tremendous loss because Bathsheba ends up losing the baby. They, they, They have the baby, but the baby dies, gets sick. And that's kind of part that leads into the, the other, the sad fatherhood story. I feel like David, Probably really excelled in a lot of ways as a dad, but I I see more of how he didn't in scripture, which makes me sad for David because mm. we know he was a good guy, he had a good heart, but he just man, he just went not solid on a lot of in a lot of areas, and sure. parenthood was one of them. But it would be difficult to raise all the children that he had with all the multiplicity of wives that he had. Yeah. Um, Bathsheba, of course, goes on to have another child, and Solomon is his name. And you may know about King Solomon, but I want to talk about his first son. David's first son is his favorite son. And this guy, 
this guy was not my kind of guy, as Frank Costanza from Seinfeld would say. Uh-huh. Not my kind of guy. He he saw his half-sister lusted after her, and we know it's lust because the moment he has her, if you will, he rapes her, mm. he's disgusted by her. Well, that's not love. Mm-hmm. Scripture, and this is one of those things that... um I think it's really important when you're talking with somebody about context and about what scripture actually means. This might be one of those areas that you bring up. It says in scripture, oh, and and this man, he fell in love with her immediately. Well, no, no, no. I mean, you're describing what you're describing here is lust. And you can tell because at the end of the story, he doesn't want to have anything to do with this woman that he's raped. Mm -hmm. That's not love. Uh, And rape's involved too. I mean, that's kind of a giant red yeah. flag and i don't mean to to um put that small that's that's horrific yeah what he does to his half sister and she her name is tamar she's very beautiful and now obviously she's very scared about what's going to happen not only has he broken god's law because it's incestuous what's happened here she begs him but when she realizes cuz he's tricked her in the situation he pretends to be sick and hey, come over and, and make me some bread. He asks his dad, hey, King David, because apparently he's doting father on his firstborn son. What's wrong? Well, I'm sick. What can I do? Well, you can have my gorgeous half-sister come over and make me some food and serve it to me. And David's like, it sounds like a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. And so he pretends. And as soon as his sister comes close with the meal that she's prepared, he grabs her. She knows what's about to happen tries to do this just please stop Mm -hmm. he'll let us get married at the very least please nope that's not what he wants to do and she leaves the house rips her clothes puts ashes on her head knowing that she is set up to fail now for the rest of her life according to tradition Mm. and according to law so there's one life devastated david is aware made aware um about what has happened. Absalom is Tamar's full-blood brother. They, they have both the same mom, same dad. And he knows what his half-brother has done. And he's ticked off for his little sister. And he tries to, to make it right with David. Well, David really loves his firstborn son and doesn't really do anything. Just let that sink in for a second. Yeah. Imagine your own children... No, that, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. But it did with King David. I'm sure he was devastated, but not to the point where, I don't know, I, I don't read about seeking restitution. So Absalom decides to sit on it for a second. And by a second, it's like two years. And he pretends after a while, everything's fine. But it's not. He's got vengeance in his heart. And how much is that going to grow? Yeah, he can grow it all on his own, the bitterness. But now my father has sat by and allowed this to happen to his daughter without any sort of, let's try to fix this. And his firstborn son is still his favorite after he sees what a horrible human being he is. Now, granted, is there, is there a, a way a person can be redeemed, we see in the story of David, yes. Through his own actions with Bathsheba, God forgives David and he's repentant. But isn't it interesting that out of those actions, 
God does tell him, your, your child, your son will die, your firstborn with Bathsheba, and there will be violence in your family because of your actions. And now we're seeing it. And so Absalom, he decides that he is going to kill his brother, his half-brother, and it's been a couple years, so he feels like, well, there's been enough time here, maybe dad thinks I'm over it. And he asks King David, hey, dad, I want to invite all my brothers over here. I'm going to have a big party. And he basically sets up a situation where his brother is killed. And David finds out about it and is just devastated and very upset. And Absalom is like, why are you, <laughs> imagine this is the way he is. Why are you upset? You did nothing. So I did something. I did. And all of the other brothers escape because I think they're all afraid he's going to kill them. There's nowhere that I've read in scripture where he was. He just wanted to get vengeance with his half-brother. And David does not talk to Absalom for three years. I'm just trying to figure this out. Have I ever been so bogged down with my own feelings and emotions? I can't see anything else. And that I've allowed those to somehow sway my perception. This is where David is. He's upset, I'm sure, about his daughter, but he loves his son more. And so he allows that to take place without judging his son or sending him away. Then he decides to not talk to the baby brother who decided to do something about it wrongfully. Mm -hmm. And here is an opportunity that's missed because I think... First of all, if David hadn't done anything, if he had done something in the first place, we may have avoided the death of his oldest son. And we certainly might have avoided the trouble that comes later with Absalom. Mm. Because Absalom is going to be the guy that comes for David's throne. And we read about that a little bit later in scripture, but it's three years. And finally, Absalom sends word. It's like, I exist. I'm here. And David decides, he's like, all right, he's allowed to come back because he hears some wise words from a, a lady who comes into his court and says these beautiful words of wisdom. And he's like, all right, I hear, I hear your words of wisdom. Anyway, I, I just, I'm troubled when I read these kinds of stories because we gloss over them to get to the really epic type of stories that we carry on at Sunday school, which yeah. understandably so, especially because Sunday school, you don't really get a chance to go deep sure. and delve in per se to the law and why that would connect to a Tamar story and Absalom and the death and the, uh, uh, it's a, it, I've never seen Game of Thrones, but it's more like a Game of Thrones type of scenario. There's incest, there's murder, there's rape, it's ugly. Mm. And that's a story about a man described as having a whole heart for God. Yeah. And so I guess in reading this, it's like, what can you gain after reading the scripture? Well, knowing truly that, if David is not uh, immune to, to sin, then I am not immune to sin. If David, who has a whole heart for God, messed up with his kids, then I will mess up with my kids. This is a given. Jesus came so that he could fulfill all the law that was impossible for any one of us to do. No human being could meet those expectations that rule, that those rules, that guideline, but God himself. And so that is why Jesus came in the first place to take it upon himself. I can, yeah. I can abide by that. And through me, there is redemption and I can take away your sin and you don't have to live like that anymore. 
So I'm grateful for that. But I, it's also important that we kind of go over those. It's so I look, pull the mirror up, look at myself and say, how have I been like David? Because I'm not immune. How have I ignored maybe... <laughs> For much lesser stuff, but like I've ignored what my firstborn's done and I've taken sides with my secondborn or vice versa. Or, you know, how have I not been a great spouse or a great parent? Well, it's really important. I think you see the real world uh, effects because it's not karma, but you see just how one thing flows to the next. Yeah. And with the way we have therapy now, you know, kids mad at their parents because you did this and this and this, and it made me feel this and this and this for this many years, and that's why I am the way that I am. Well, that's why there were purification laws, though, Carter, because they they see it. God allowed it to be such a heavy, symbolic thing. Mm -hmm. You have tainted the land. Yeah. So, yeah, right. you're talking about like it spreads like the rot on a banana. Yeah, it just spreads out from there, and that's where the, the trickle-down effect was sin. Even just practically there, you see... If David had nipped it in the bud after two years or within those two years, uh, then, like you said, the youngest, yeah. what, what is the one's name that attacked Tamar? I can't, what is Okay, his? so I, I didn't bring up his name because all of these names, It's complicated, right? I know. Yeah. No, well, all right, Absalom is the one that I remember just because he's got this gorgeous hair and there's this whole thing I with mean, he and David. It's not a huge deal, but, but Absalom wouldn't have killed him yeah, if, yeah, Amnon? if, Amnon, if that would have got settled with Amnon, then, then Amnon would still be alive, at mm -hmm. least from this. Potentially. Potentially, Absalom wouldn't have killed him. If you, David had said something. You see yeah. where actions really do matter. Yeah. And we live in a world where people are calling for action. It's not always the, the right thing and from the right place. But right. you have people that have hurt for, uh, you know, whether it be decades. You have uh, individual families that have hurt from past That's wounds. True. And action is always being preached from a political standpoint. But... In the right way, from the right motive, yeah. biblically thinking about it, yeah. it action does make a difference in the right circumstances where it's needed. I do celebrate moments where I've discovered that God has brought something to my attention and I've taken action. Mm -hmm. And then I have chosen to ignore the other moments that he has brought mm -hmm. to my heart's attention. Sure. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean that overnight I'm going to be perfect at it. But if I allow God and daily I'm saying, Lord, today I want to give you my best. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Is there something, you know, my heart, you know, my thoughts. Is there something that you can show in me that, you know, I've, I've got it wrong. My yeah. perspective is off. I haven't seen this from your stance. There are other things I feel like, yeah, I'm on target with, but I would be a fool to think that there are not other things that I struggle with that, are I mean, maybe they're not at the forefront of my mind and then when they get uncovered it's uncomfortable because you're like oh goodness nobody wants to be shown that they're you know being in this sense like a david who's mm -hmm. ignoring the rape of his daughter yeah the incestual rape of his daughter from his favorite son because he's his favorite and over and over again in scripture how many times have we said in the podcast we've seen the favoritism of children Take Israel down the wrong path. Oh, this certainly is one of them, but Amnon is killed and there's plenty of other brothers and they all escape. And gosh, can you imagine that? That's the worst family reunion ever. You're afraid your sibling's going to murder you. Yeah. And anyway, so 
it does lead into this place of, all right, now two years down the road, Absalom does the thing. Three years down the road, he doesn't hear boo from his dad. There is no reconciliation now in Absalom's mind. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm not, dad, you may love me. I mean, I guess David, after three years and he's confronted by this wise woman and he like, all right, I'm back home. Get, let me give you a kiss. They're still not on speaking terms. It's like the action of I've accepted you being here is now there. Mm-hmm. But there's no like, hey, you want to go get a pizza? None of that. Yeah. I would be curious about that verse if that was in there. What's that? Hey, you want to go, go get, get a, get a pizza? pizza? Listen, yeah. if pizza was around, you better believe. Like flatbread came it's true. out okay. of the Exodus. All so. right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Um, one thing that we went over at, at church and it was, uh, it, part of the David story, uh, it is a, uh, it's a, it's also a lesser known one, uh, David and Goliath story. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Now, David, are we talking about the same David? So this is the same David. And Goliath? And do you remember that time a giant was involved? <laughs> So what about this story? Because we talked about this a little bit ago too on the podcast mm-hmm. about like everybody would have been equipped with a slingshot. And th- that was kind of an interesting reveal. It was uh, a perspective I'd never thought about before, but it's it it really does relate to each and every one of us with the comparison thing that we go through. Mm-hmm. You see, David, before he uh, goes and defeats Goliath, before he goes and faces Goliath, there's a moment where Saul, the king, gives him the armor. You're going to need this mm-hmm. to fight a giant. And David tries it on and in so many words says, I'm not used to this. This isn't my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go use my thing. Yeah. And, and, he, and he goes and gets the rocks and we know the rest of the story. And what an interesting perspective that the preacher uh, revealed uh, that it wasn't for him because God created him uniquely. Mm-hmm. And we have a world, even well-meaning people around us, that tell us, here's what you need to do. Mm. Here's how I did it. And this will get you right through this job. Yeah, This is how you do relationships. This is how, I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you realize as you get a bit older, that's not going to work for me. Yeah, I can't do life the same way. I'm a different person. God created me uniquely. I have different abilities and talents and, you know, we're different parts of the body of Christ. You know, if I'm a finger, I shouldn't be comparing myself to a toe. They're somewhat similar, but they do different things. You say them the same way in Spanish. Well, they're all phalanges. What's it, what's in Spanish? Dedos. Interesting. Dedos. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You're welcome. Thank you. This is... This random thought brought to you by Rochelle. Rosetta Stone. Oh, <laughs> so... Uh, I remember, you know, we, we do work in radio and podcasting and stuff. And I remember it was just four or five, six years ago. We were in a small group at church. We go over to our, our, the house, uh, with somebody in our group. Mm-hmm. They were hosting this particular week. They're our age. They're in their late twenties at the time. And they have a house that is bigger than any of my friend's parents' houses when I was growing up. Like this thing is absolutely amazing. And I mean, it's not Bill Gates or anything, but it's a very nice house for somebody yeah. in their upper 20s. Yeah. And I remember on the way home asking Kelsey, man, should I, am I in the wrong profession? Like, should I work in oil, you know? And we were just spitballing, you know, because obviously it's a very nice house. Mm. And, uh, and it was so true then of like, no, I shouldn't do that. 
because that's not for me. That's for them. They both worked in oil, so that's both for them. I would hate my life because I don't, I, I've worked on stuff in the same vein, not not oil itself, but more analytical projects at different times in my life. And I'm, I'm not a big fan. I just, I wouldn't You're like it. creative. Yeah. And so I would suffer. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is what God's called me to. Yeah. So I would be, that's the biggest thing. I'd be going against him with that. Yeah. And so this is for me and that's for them. And I can't compare myself. I can't try to put on their armor right. on how to handle life because God created us all uniquely. He did. He did. Not, not to say that, guess what? What if one of the people that had been in the army who was outfitted with armor mm-hmm. and a sword had stood up like David did? Sure. Yeah. And said, you know what? You're talking bad against our God. And Goliath, you're going down today. Yeah. God, it's his strength that slayed the giant. Yeah. But he he wants to partner with his people. And the skill set that he provided David, he got very skilled with the slingshot. Yeah. Later, he did get skilled with the sword, right? Um, but yeah, I think that that's interesting. It's uh, It's always coming back to God and keeping him centered. Yeah. So it's like, all right, again, so let's say tomorrow Carter's like, hey, you know what? I do want to try my hand at something that doesn't come naturally to me. I am I am interested in maybe trying something else. You know, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but- It should be motivated because somebody else- Exactly. Like- I'm jealous of, or they're trying to convince me. That's very important. And and I, I've been frustrated- at times in my work or whatever. And I'm like, but has, has God called me away from it? And if not, I need to stay put. Mm-hmm. And that's really important too. So if I'm keeping God at the center of it, no matter what, because yeah, you may be hearing this and thinking, oh, then I should just stay in the job that I have now. Maybe, mm-hmm. but just in well, always yeah. connecting it back to God. I think Rochelle and I have both felt, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we felt a calling specifically here, mm-hmm. but yeah. I've had jobs where I didn't. Right. And that's one where, yeah, I'll just switch jobs. You know, yeah. that's fine. If it, is it honoring to God? Uh, and both of them, we've talked about that before. That's fine. Switch jobs. But if it's motivated, like you said, by, by comparison. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's that problem. should never be, you know, that's, Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I mean, it's tough because if a friend that ha- this actually just happened with uh, some people in my small group, uh, one friend, worked at a company that does uh, data and stuff. And the other friend actually worked in oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, a friend in data was telling friend in oil, hey, you know, we have spots that does this and this and this. And I feel like your skill set would meet this and this and this. Are you looking to get out of oil? And the friend in oil was like, yeah, I am looking to get out of oil. And he switched, he made the he switched. Now they work at the same company. Interesting. And so, I mean, I, I think there's a million different ways around it, but it, it's like, if yeah, if you, want to benefit if you look at, oh, you have this and this and this. That's pretty cool. That'd be something nice. I, I, I It just shouldn't be motivated by jealousy. Right. And it shouldn't be, I choose to listen to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to use their names, but it'd just be easier. But if friend A was saying to friend B, you know, you really need to do this because I'm just telling you, this is how it works and this is how business goes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And if friend B felt kind of, intimidated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really should. He knows a lot about this. I guess I, I should listen to God before I should listen to any human being in my life. Absolutely. Even if they mean well. Sure. Because the well-meaning people will take you down a road you shouldn't be on sometimes. That's true. That's true. In David's case, Saul wasn't out there on 
on the the hill opposing Goliath himself doing what he was supposed to do as king. Sure. Which is to lead under the directive of God, knowing that God would receive glory because Saul was his anointed king. Do you not trust me? Mm-hmm. And he didn't. And so he was trying to put on David the things that in his own mindset with apart from God made sense to him. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, yeah. He was here, afraid of it, but he here, was I'll, afraid, I'll but here you use this <laughs> right. and you're not going to be successful. So <laughs> yeah. like what people am I giving audience to, to speak yeah. into what they think I should be doing in my life. There, there's so many different angles to that story that, yeah, you look at it as an underdog story. Well, let's uncover more sure. actually. And it wasn't even David was the underdog, which he clearly was. It was, it was a story about God winning mm-hmm. the battle and and is he winning in my life? Is he winning in the battles I have in my own heart mm-hmm. with comparison and all these other things? And, um, you know, even connecting to, uh, because I'm reading in New and Old Testament. So the story in Acts, you're following Paul on his journey as well as Peter. And the one where Paul is now in front of kings and governors, and he is standing in front of them in chains, because yes, he's, he's a prisoner, but he is speaking to why he's in chains. And he's telling uh, one of the kings named Agrippa that he has the answer basically to the need in his life and everybody else's. And the answer is Jesus Christ, you know, because Agrippa was very familiar with Jewish law. He was familiar with the situation in his own culture. And so Paul was kind of talking to him saying, I know you believe the prophets. Well, this is the answer to those prophecies. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you the story. And Agrippa basically dismisses him. And usually my focus has always been on Paul in this story. It's like, oh, Paul and that guy, that King Agrippa, he sure missed out. Oh, that Paul, he was really, really good and being bold and saying who Jesus was in front of him. Agrippa basically says, you think you're going to convince me and, you know, <laughs> get me converted here on the spot about Jesus right now? Mm-hmm. It's pretty bold, Paul, pretty bold. But what I got from the story, I think, was that have I dismissed people just as Agrippa dismissed Paul because of an outward appearance, because of an extenuating circumstance about that individual? God's messengers come in many different shapes and forms, and he can use anybody to share that message. Yeah. Have I dismissed it because it didn't, from the outside at first glance, seem to be something for my life? Because Agrippa did and it could have saved his life. Hopefully, hopefully it did. I don't know what the end of his story was. Sure, sure. But I think that's also very important. And if I'm doing not only the comparison thing with myself against other people, am I doing the comparison thing about people against other people? <laughs> oh, or or if I'm in the middle, what I do, comparing people to, comparing myself to other people, as in the people that I look up to, mm-hmm. but also looking the other way. I'm better than them. I compare myself to people that are, I yeah. feel I'm better than. And uh, and that's to this point, right? Yeah. If it's somebody that just joined church and they've never gone to church in their life and do, they know two Bible verses, well, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt what they say right. spiritually, they don't know much. Yeah. Uh, and that's so pious to, if they have a truth that is absolutely biblical, yeah. Then, then it's just true. Yeah. And I would just need to listen to it and get off my high horse and forget about how many, quote, years of experience I have. Exactly. It's the same Holy Spirit that was put into the Roman soldier mm-hmm. 
Cornelius as it was in Peter. It's the same spirit. Yeah. Now, Cornelius was brand new baby Christian right. when Peter baptized him after that moment. But I mean, that there's another account of it's like, but it's the same Jesus. Yeah. So well, you can't compare, oh, well, his Jesus is better than that Jesus. It's the same Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> his years of experience that may be different and the level of wisdom being shared may be different, but it comes out of the same spirit of God. Yeah. And so I don't want to dismiss that. And I, it, it's always that oh, constant reminder, I think, in a good way, not in a nagging, guilt-ridden way of Rochelle, I am going to continue to refresh my spirit in you. And it may be from a device that you weren't anticipating. So always be, there's that scripture that says you may be entertaining angels and not aware of it. Sure. And so am I always looking for it? Am I always looking for the God winks in life? And I have to be honest, especially with where we are in today's world, with all the headlines and all the things going on in society and the way the culture is just sharing, you have to do this or you have to be that or whatever. It's very easy to start almost like spiraling downward with your thoughts. Yeah. And what God says is, I've been here this whole time, baby. And the world's been been this way since the beginning of time. And I, I mean, since the beginning of time, yeah. nothing new under the sun. And so I'm still the same yesterday, then, and today, right now, Rochelle. And I will be the same forever tomorrow. That's good. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Also, that is the reason you talk about entertaining angels. That's the reason I just do magic tricks while I'm alone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Pick a card. Gabriel, you see yeah. this one? Check out. Is that your card? It's right here. Gabriel has asked for, he's asked for new orders. New. <laughs> Change the deck. Change the, oh, no, new orders no, instead of being with what me. Do you, what do you call yeah. that? Can, like, I, can I get somebody else? Yeah. Clarence? Is Clarence up there? Can I get him? Thank you so much for <laughs> hanging out with us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>